0: Cross Timbers family, and welcome to episode three of the CT Conversations podcast. And this is the Easter episode. My name is Ian Harbour, and on this podcast, we have conversations to explore more in depth what we are learning together as a church. This week, we have our Lake City's campus pastor, Jamie Mullins on to talk with me about Toby's Easter sermon. It's a great conversation, I loved having it. We talk about Peter and faith and women and value and when God feels silent on Saturdays and what resurrection means for us here today. It was a blast talking to Jamie, she's so much fun. And uh, I I just loved having this conversation. And so I, I hope you enjoy listening. Well, hey, Jamie, welcome to the pod.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here today.
0: Yeah, it's excited to have you. Uh, when I told everybody that you were coming on this week, they all said, well, get ready because <laughs> the energy level is gonna be through the roof. So that's um, awesome. yeah, I'm really excited about that. How are you recovering after Easter?
1: Doing great. Yeah. I am, I've gotta be honest, a little bit tired from the weekend, but just seeing the way that God moved at our campus and really all three campuses, you can't help but just be excited about what he's doing.
0: Yeah, seriously. So you're the Lake City's campus pastor. Correct. And But you're also the leadership development pastor, That's I believe. Right. Tell me something about that. What is that all about?
1: So leadership development at Cross Timbers, we believe everybody's a leader. Every person has influence in the lives of others. And so we just want to equip our staff team as well as everyone who's a serve team leader here at Cross Timbers to be the best leader that they can be. And so we're developing tools and resources to come alongside of our leaders just to help them develop in um, their kingdom serving.
0: That's awesome. Well, sweet. Let's jump right into it. So obviously this weekend was Easter, which is like the Super Bowl for Christians basically. And um, so Toby preached this awesome sermon and uh, from Mark 16 and at the, you know, he really focused in on that one uh, line where the angel tells uh, the women to go tell the disciples and Peter Mm. (laughs) that, um, that Jesus is risen. And Toby focused in on Peter and why sort of, the backstory of Jesus and Peter's relationship and how the complicated it kind of is, it was yeah. and how up and down Peter was. Why do you think 2000 years later? I mean, sometimes I think it, it's hard to see even how Jesus can be relatable sometimes until we start digging into that. But Peter, one of his disciples can yeah. be such a relatable person. Why all these years later, are we still talking about Peter?
1: Well, I personally love Peter because he's not afraid to say what everyone else is thinking. He, mm. kind, he kind of wears his heart on his sleeve and that's for better or for worse. And when I think about Peter, I really think Hot Mess Express, which is why I can relate to him. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, from the very beginning of his story, when Jesus meets him on the boat, it seems like he was blowing it. Yeah. And I mean, Jesus found him on a lake and he performs a miracle and filled Peter's net with fish. Um, But instead of thanking Jesus like a normal person, Peter freaks out and proceeds to ugly cry at the feet of Jesus, (laughs) which is exactly what I would have done. Mm -hmm. And throughout his time with Jesus, Peter shows us that he has a a really hard time keeping his stuff together, just like me. Mm -hmm. Even after everything that he knows, after all that he sees Jesus do, right until the end, he has a hard time keeping it together and he denies Christ even. I mean, seriously, Jesus gave him a heads up. Like, Peter, you're gonna deny me And he he knows what's coming, but he still has a hard time keeping everything together. But Mm. what I think I love most about Peter's story is that it shows me that Jesus looks past the outside. He looks past my mistakes and my failures and he sees the heart. Mm. And I think that he's looking for willing, honest and multiple hearts. And he's asking, can you listen? Are you open to change? Are you ready to be used? And if so, then no matter where you think you are in life, God has something for you something really important, and it's something that's meant only for you. And if you don't step into it, no one ever will. And as we saw in this week's message, it's kind of hard to imagine the story of Jesus without Peter in it. Yeah, and that's it's so true. Because it's he is what brings it down to earth for me. And when I look mm. at the story of all the disciples, because I have a tendency to put my, my foot in my mouth at times, <laughs> I can relate most to him, and I think most of us can find ourselves in that place.
0: It does seem like Peter's story is so up and down. I mean, all the disciples have these moments. I mean, even James and John arguing about who can be greatest (laughs) and Thomas is doubting. Um, but Peter, it seems like Peter gets centered a lot is, uh, almost the adult in the room. I think historically he's the oldest of the disciples, but like he is kind of one of the leaders, but he keeps failing all the time too. I mean, he's, up and he's down and he's, you know, I love what Toby talked about in a sermon on one moment, Peter is, um, you know, told on the, I'm changing your name from Simon to Peter. You were like this, now you're going to be a rock right? and I'm going to build my church on you. Like, that's a huge thing. And then like the next verse, he's <laughs> called Satan and right. told to get behind Jesus. Um, and I just feel like we can, it's so easy to relate to Peter in those ways because, um, it's sort of like what Toby and I were talking about. I think it was last week like or maybe two weeks ago. Um, when we sometimes think our faith has to be this like really all ever present strong force in our lives that is never failing. Yeah. But we see Peter fail over and over again. I love what you said, how Peter sort of grounds the story of Jesus because... Mm-hmm. I don't know. Sometimes, and you hear this all the time. It's like, oh, I can't do that because I'm not God. Like Jesus did that, but you know, He's God or whatever. But Peter's this character in the story that we look at, and yeah. it, it we can see ourselves in him because he has strong moments like we do, and mm-hmm. he has weak moments like we do, um, and it just seems like that's why his story uh, is of so much interest to people all these years later and him being a fisherman and all that stuff like that. I don't know, do you feel like there's any moments in your life where you're looking at your own life and maybe the life of Peter and you just go, man, that feels exactly like me right now because we're not always going strong all the time.
1: Right, absolutely. I think that the thing that I most identify with is his impulsiveness. Like he is (laughs) really quick to just jump right into things, good, bad, or otherwise. Take a soldier's
0: ear off. Right, you know? just
1: just impulsive. And I mm. identify with that because so often, like if I would have been Peter in the moment where Jesus gives him a new name yeah. and he tells him, you're the rock, I it probably would let that go to my head a little bit. And when I hear God call me to do things, when he, when he speaks into my identity, I have a tendency to want to run to uh-huh. what he's what he's told me to do, or what he's called me to do, uh-huh. and but in that running, I can sometimes be impulsive and get out in front of him. I can put my foot in my mouth. I can, like Toby said this weekend, I I will um, write checks with my mouth and my body can't <laughs> cash because. Yeah. And I think honestly, some of Peter's thing was probably just his excitement for what Jesus was calling him to do. And even in that moment when he cut. The soldier's ear off. It was passion. It, mm. it wasn't. It wasn't a, a, a lack of faith. It was his passion for what he knew Jesus was calling him to. Mm-hmm. And so I can identify with that impulsiveness and sometimes get myself into a hard spot because I, I just want to run ahead and I can sometimes get ahead of God. So
0: yeah, Toby said this thing also um, that I I never really heard this before, and it was about how. Um, when Jesus had died. And it was in those Mm. days in between the, I guess the day between the crucifixion and Jesus' resurrection that Peter went back to fishing because when you've lost all hope, you go back to what you know uh, for better or for worse. Um, And so Peter goes back to fishing, but that we go back to the things that give us comfort for better or worse all the time when uh, we don't feel Jesus' presence or... um, uh, have that strong faith that we always want to have. And, um, I I love in those moments, like Jesus rises the next day comes and finds Peter and makes him breakfast on Mm. the seashore just says like, Hey, come, no, no, no. That same fire that you denied me next to come eat a meal with me Mm. on it. And I just think that's so, um, powerful for us to hear because shame, like Toby was saying, shame and regret run our lives. And, um, knowing that Jesus doesn't count that against us, but it says and instead invites us to have a meal with him in his new life, in his right. new world, I think that's huge. Yeah. So I I don't know if that like um there's any examples in your life or anything you feel like, but like, man, I keep this is what I keep running back to. Or, I mean, you talked about impulsiveness or anything like that, but Jesus keeps inviting you into that new life of his.
1: Well, I think for me, one area that I have struggled and I'll tend to revert back to my, Mm. what would be considered normal is in relationships. I, I will... If I feel like I'm gonna be possibly rejected in relationship, yeah. when I know that in Christ I'm not rejected, I'm I'm accepted and I'm I can't be rejected because He's accepted me. But if I feel like there's an opportunity to be rejected in relationships with people, I will I tend to run and hide, and so I I will keep relationships at the surface level. And Toby talked a few times this weekend about the importance of spiritual family of having people that yeah. know you and are for you and that can have faith for you when you can't have faith for yourself. But but one of my areas of struggle is that I don't wanna let people close enough to be able to yeah. do those things for me. And so in moments that I feel the possibility to be, to be rejected, I will run and hide from the very relationships that can draw me closer to Jesus. And so it's in the secret place with him when I'm in the word and I'm, in, I'm praying and I'm seeking him that he shows me it's okay, that I'm because he's fully accepted me, rejection isn't possible. So I can let my walls down and I can invite other people to be part of my life.
0: Mm. Rejection's huge. Yeah. Rejection's massive. I mean, I think we're all running from that in some way. And that's what fear of that is what causes us to put up so many walls that keep us from creating the relationships that matter that we're talking about so much here at our church. Yeah. And it, I mean, even, I mean, Peter was the one who rejected Jesus. Mm. You know, if anybody was on the receiving end of rejection in that moment, it was Jesus. I mean, yeah. uh, even what Isaiah says, scorned and rejected by men, like that was his whole <laughs> destiny the yeah. whole time was to be rejected. Uh, but and I love how instead of running in the face of that rejection, obviously he rises again <laughs> supernaturally, but like he comes back to the person that hurt him and, and yeah. restores that relationship. I feel like that's huge. And
1: that's so
0: huge. And I, I mean, Peter goes on to become this like, he, amazing apostle who who sees all these thousands and thousands of people and is planting churches and a lot of different stuff and um, it's crazy what pursuing people even in the midst of rejection can do for us in our relationships I feel like
1: right yeah
0: man. well so I think there's a detail in this story that I want to talk about with you I think it would be so interesting um, in the well in all of the passages where it talks about the resurrection but Mark 6 is kind of the one we were in it's the women who go to the tomb first and they're the first ones Easter morning to see an empty tomb and a resurrected Christ. And it's the women that the angel goes and tells, um, tells them to go tell their disciples that he's risen and they don't believe him. They don't believe him at first, Um, but they say, no, go look for yourselves. And and he was risen. And I think that's an important uh, detail that sometimes we skip over um, because it's narrative and it's a story and we're reading it, but that was huge for their time. Mm -hmm. Talk to me about some of why women being the first to see the empty tomb, to proclaim the risen Christ, why was that such a big uh detail in this story.
1: Well, I think it's important. It shows us that Jesus came to establish a system on this earth that was going to turn the current world system in that day and time on its head. Like mm. he was coming to flip the tables quite like pretty literally. <laughs> literally. So it was very common for women to be treated as less than in that day and time. Um, and I think that the fact that they were seen as less than they actually weren't even seen as credible witnesses in mm. Jesus day they they actually the fact that that they included women in this in the historic account of Jesus resurrection goes to show that it was true mm. because if it wasn't they would have left that fact out if if it would have been a man that would have been the first on the scene it would have been possible to discredit the fact that Jesus rose from the dead. But the fact that they it was a woman and that it was included in this historical account actually helps to prove the fact that Jesus actually was raised from the dead. And from the very beginning, I think of, of Jesus' story, you see women included throughout it. I mean, there was two women, Mary and Elizabeth. They were the first people to be praying over Jesus and praying Mm. for him before he was even born. Women were the very first to financially support Jesus in his public ministry. Women were the very last to be at the cross. like They were at a distance, again, because they were looked down on, but they were the last to be at the cross when his body was taken down. Mm. And then they were first on the scene um, to be able to see the tomb, that the tomb was empty, and then the first to be able to to be the ones to deliver the message that he's risen, he's not in a tomb, he's alive, and um, I think that's pretty awesome.
0: Yeah, well, I think it's interesting. It's it's so good to point out that it's actually sort of an apologetic for. How do we know that Jesus actually rose from the dead? And there's lots of reasons, but one of them is the fact that women was the first to report it. If yeah. you were going to write a story in this time, you wouldn't hinge all of your evidence on the account of of <laughs> women, yeah, because they they weren't even allowed in court to to testify right. to what had happened. And so it's almost in a way, making the story more, unbelievable to make it more believable in a sense, you know, going against all of their cultural norms in order to show that this is is how it really happens. Yeah, Um, Why would they make up the story if this is how it happens? So, yeah, I think that's huge as like an actual evidence for the resurrection happening. Um, Not a metaphorical (laughs) resurrection, but a real thing that happened in history. Um, And like you said, it's so important to see it. Like as this great uh, reversal of the world systems. Mm-hmm. You know that, um, especially in that day, women weren't honored at all and seeing Jesus valuing women all throughout his ministry. I totally forgot about this, but like what you said, they were, they financed his ministry. Like how yeah. did Jesus even <laughs> afford to travel and teach and do all that stuff? It was because women were paying for him to right. do it. And um, the speaking with women that he shouldn't be speaking with of different ethnicities of, of different classes. Um, yeah. But uh, here, like letting them be the first to, witness that his risen body. I think that's such a powerful way of taking what we know in our culture and, and flipping it on his head and saying, no, the, the least should be greatest yeah. and the last shall be first. And I, it
1: challenges me today just to continue to look for places where there's still injustice happening, Absolutely. where there's still prejudice happening because, because it's, a, it's a kingdom that was established on this earth until it's done. Like yeah. we're we're still called to be looking for places where there are lines being drawn in the sand, yeah. where there are places that people are wanting to persecute for, for things that Jesus would have said, you know what, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. And mm. so for me, it's a call to action to continue to look for places that there's still social injustice, that there's still things happening in the world that Jesus would have, he would have stood up for.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think we see that of any time right now with the whole Me Too movement going on and even the Church Too movement of just these women who are speaking up with um, just these horrible instances of sexual abuse and assault going on against them and um, culture starting to come out against them. But really it needs to be us, the church who comes out and goes, no, 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 Jesus was standing up against this thousands of years ago and he was giving value to these women before anybody else was. Like that whole idea comes from Jesus in the first place that absolutely. these people deserve value and dignity and worth of their own. Yeah. Um, and so seeing this as an example of you know, Jesus was flipping the whole thing on its head and, and giving value to people who didn't have value, that should inform the way we live today. Don't absolutely. you think so?
1: Yes, absolutely. And I love that it Cross Timbers, our, our our statement that we say is we draw circles and not lines. Yeah. And it's because that's what we saw Jesus do throughout his ministry, where where the world is today still wanting to come and draw lines. Mm. We, as a body of believers are looking for ways that we can draw circles around people who might feel like they're rejected, that might feel like they're, their sin is too much, that might feel like there's not a place for them because of what society says, that we're looking for ways to draw circles around yeah. them.
0: I think that's huge. And just as the church, our lines or not our lines our circles should be the biggest circles you yeah. know including as many people as we possibly can because that's exactly what we see Jesus doing over yeah. and over again in his ministry and so with all of this in mind, I mean, with Peter, this guy who his faith is all but certain and he's up and down and running back to things that aren't Jesus and the and these women who had no value in their lives, um, but Jesus is giving them value right. and, and saying, no, 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 you, culture has it wrong. This is how it is in the kingdom that these people have value and dignity. When we look at the resurrection yeah. just as a whole, um, what does it mean for us? When we think when we think about our day-to-day lives, when we think about the world we live in and how chaotic it feels sometimes, when we think about our hope for the future, um, whatever that means, what does the resurrection mean for us today?
1: Well, I think the resurrection means everything for us today. But before, before we talk about what the resurrection means, something that I kept thinking about over the weekend mm-hmm. was actually the day before the resurrection happened, mm. the Saturday, like Good Friday happens, and, and at that time, it wasn't Good Friday, but Friday yeah. happens, Jesus died. And, and then there's Saturday when they take Jesus down from the cross and they bury him in this tomb. And it was on preparation day, actually, for the Jews. Mm. They didn't know what they were preparing for. at that. They were carrying out the traditions of preparation day, not knowing what was coming on Sunday. And I think so many of us find ourselves living stuck in Saturday, not knowing that Sunday's coming. And I I can't imagine what Peter and the other disciples must have felt on that Saturday. Like they had hinged all of their dreams, all of their hopes on this king who was supposed to reign and that was supposed to be their freedom giver and their deliverer and their restorer. And now he's he's in a tomb and he's gone. And I think they're they're thinking he was the plan for their people. And so I can only imagine that the silence on that day had to have been deafening. Mm. You know, Have you ever been in a moment that it's so quiet and so silent that it makes your ears almost hurt because it's so silent? And
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, when you talk about the, the silent Saturday, I, I think we all find ourselves in those moments where we find ourselves asking, where is God? Like, I want to hear from God or I know he's out there somewhere, but I'm not, I don't, it doesn't feel like he's a part of my life. And where is he right. in a way? And God seems distant. And what I love about this sort of imagery of like the the death on Friday, the silence on Saturday day and the resurrection on Sunday is the silence... Of, doesn't mean that God is gone, right? The silence doesn't mean that God's far away from you. The silence doesn't mean that He's not with you. It means that there's another work going on that yes. it takes time, and there's a process, and God has always worked through time and processes. Yes. But um, it this is part of it, and yeah. it's it really honestly the idea of the Saturday thinking about this right now it sort of ties into what we're talking about in the 40 series Absolutely. with the wilderness yes. you know like uh, with the Israelites going out into the wilderness for 40 years Jesus going into the desert for 40 days it's this moment of silence and trial and transition where we're all asking where's God or did you bring us out here to die well let's go back to Egypt you know yeah. and it's this it, it's kind of despairing mm-hmm. but that's part of the story that God uses for us is Absolutely. is not all just a neat bow and everything put on it, but there's wilderness and then there's silence and it's, it's up and it's down. And that's part of what God is doing in our lives. And that's how awesome. crazy
1: that like long before this day, for the Jewish people, that specific day would have been preparation day Mm. for the Sabbath.
0: Explain that. Explain why is that so
1: significant? So the Sabbath was the day that they had to prepare, or the Saturday preparation day was the day that they were to prepare for the Sabbath, Mm. which was their day of rest. It was the day that they were not to do any work. And so they would have been making preparations for... The Sabbath, which ultimately the, it was all pointing to Jesus, right? Right. So on this specific preparation day, they're preparing Jesus' body. Like they're <laughs> wow. they're covering him in oils and spices to prepare his body for his burial. And not unknowing that they were actually preparing for him to raise, to rise again for his resurrection. And so <laughs> like that moment to me, I think is it's pretty amazing. And and I think the reason it stood out to me this year is because we've been on this journey of 40. Yeah and we've been looking at god, god's children and and the things that that all do point to jesus to this one moment in mm-hmm. history where, where he dies and he's buried and re, he's resurrected but i think for us today i know that for myself i find myself in seasons that are sometimes are a few days and sometimes it's months where i feel like god i don't hear you mm-hmm. i'm i'm reading the bible i'm doing all this prepper quote unquote preparation <laughs> yeah, i'm doing yeah. all this this stuff to prepare my heart for you to do a work but I just feel like you're silent. Mm. And I think that it's in those seasons that when it feels like he's quiet, when he feels like he's distant, it's because he's wanting to develop something in us mm-hmm. so that he can do something through us. Yeah. And th- that day of silence for the disciples, for all of Jesus' followers, that day of preparation was preparing their hearts. It was th- God was doing something in them so that he, they could be prepared for what he wanted to do through them after Jesus comes back and he empowers them to go with the power of the Holy Spirit to go and take the gospel to all nations.
0: It's sort of what Toby was talking about in his Easter sermon uh, when he, he said that God doesn't want to change your personality, but he does want to change your character. He right. wants to grow a character in you that he can use in order to um, work in, in his kingdom. And, and I see more people come into mm-hmm. it. And... I think this that idea of the the Saturday in the wilderness that you don't get that character formation without those days without mm-hmm. the wilderness without the Saturday that's where God does it I mean we like to look at the triumph and the victory and everything um, to and say that's when it happens but that's the result Absolutely. of it that's not the it's in those dark moments that God is making us into who he is has made us to be who He originally created us to be.
1: Yeah, and I think like we have the opportunity. It's so easy sometimes for me to read the Bible and see the whole story because mm, mm-hmm. we have the luxury of seeing the whole story. Right. But on that Saturday, all that time ago, we get to now say Sunday's coming. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't know <laughs> they didn't what was that. coming on Sunday. Right. And so, for me, that that impacts my my daily walk because even in the seasons where I don't know what's coming, right. I can now, I I can have hope that Sunday's coming mm. that there is a work that God's going to do in my life that he is going to bring deliverance for me and I may not know what it's going to look like mm-hmm. but because of what he did then I know he, he he's faithful to do it again
0: It's like when on the day that Jesus died when he breathed his last breath and the mm. darkness came over the <sighs> the space and then you have that in contrast with the sunrise on Easter morning. You have to have the dark skies before you have the yes. sunrise or you won't notice the sunrise or yeah. it won't mean as much or it won't it won't be as bright as it was when you had that darkness two mm-hmm. days ago. Yeah. And so it, it's that contrast between God is working in all of these things, yeah. but you have to, like what you said almost, you have to pull back and see the full picture and go, mm-hmm. this is where I'm at. And this is where God is taking me. No one wants to be right here where I'm at right now. <laughs> no. no one wants to be on Friday or Saturday, but no. this is part of it. Yes. And and this is how God is working yeah. to get us to resurrection. That's so right. talk to me, what does the resurrection mean?
1: Yeah, so I think I loved the song. We closed the service with the Elevation Worship song, Resurrecting. Mm. And to me, that that's it. That's it, man. We we because Jesus died. He told us. Well, he told his disciples, and we get we get the same words that they did to us. That he had to go because he there was something better for us. Like who, who at that time? Can you imagine him telling his disciples, "I've got to go because there's something better." Like no what would be better than the Son of God walking on the earth with you? Right. I can't think of anything. But he told them he needed to go because there was something better, that he was gonna send a helper for them that was gonna empower them to, to then take the message to the whole world. And that includes us. And I think there's i can't remember the exact place in scripture but there's a verse that says that the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and me mm-hmm. and so without the resurrection that wouldn't be possible we wouldn't have the the holy spirit as our as our comforter as our helper and honestly just as the the empowering force behind how we live our lives today and so the resurrection means that the resurrecting power is in us. Like, yeah. what's better than that? <laughs> we have every we have access to everything that Jesus did mm-hmm. because of his resurrection. And I'll tell you, there's sometimes that I don't live that way. I don't live mm-hmm. like I have the resurrecting power inside of me. There are days that I, like Peter, will still put my foot in my mouth or I will doubt what what God's calling me to do. And I'll find myself writing checks that my body can't <laughs> catch with my mouth. But because of the resurrection i do have i do have access to everything that jesus everything that jesus did said and the way that he walked
0: mm. i think sometimes too like in a, in addition to all of that it's some it's sometimes easy to forget that the resurrection gives us hope beyond this life mm. like it's not just this idea either it's what uh, a teacher of mine once had said, "Well, Jesus doesn't assume he doesn't save, Ooh, and he he assumed a body that died and rose again. Just in in the coming age, what the Bible calls, we too will rise again. And when I think about." This is an original idea, but I think we're all in some ways running from death. Mm. Like the reality that we're going to die. I think that's the whole point of my favorite book, Ecclesiastes in the Bible. Yeah. And it's that we we try all these different things, but at the end, we're running from death. Mm-hmm. And what I love about Jesus's resurrection is it says like death isn't the end. Mm-hmm. Death doesn't have the final word. The resurrected king is resurrecting me and will resurrect me That's good. Yeah. in the future too. Yeah. Um, that this life isn't all there is. And I think having a hope that goes beyond yourself and knowing I don't and there's so much that can come along with that. Like yeah. I don't have to work myself to death. I don't have to all these different things because it's not about that. It, like there is a new day coming
1: mm-hmm. where
0: all of all the things that have been made wrong will be made right, yeah. and there won't be a tear in our eyes, and there won't be sorrow, and there won't be pain. But all those things are are going to be made new in mm-hmm. the new creation that started with Jesus's resurrection. It's so all wrapped up in one. I feel. I think.
1: I love that. I, I'm thinking right now. We, my husband, their family just lost his grandmother, and mm-hmm. she um, she had dementia, and so at the towards the end of her life we watched her go from this, she's 94 years old, but at the end of her life, she seemed more like an eight-year-old little girl. And um, what's kind of crazy about that, and I saw this in my own grandmother's life, you know, Jesus talks about having faith like a child. And we, in this case of my husband's grandmother and in mine, we watched them revert back to their childhood memories and to this sweet childlike faith that I think is what's gonna be, we're going to be able to go back to once we're, re- we're resurrected and um, I don't know it, it's it strikes me that there won't be any more her, her mind was she was losing her mind like yeah she was nearing death and yet God was taking her back to the simple, back to the way that she was actually designed and created to be without all of the mess and the noise of the pain that she'd endured through her life and she didn't ha- she didn't carry any unforgiveness or bitterness. it was just this sweet childlike faith towards the end of her life. And I, I don't know what that is, but there's <laughs> something that's hopeful for me that everything that everything that's happened in my life, that there's pain and there's there's hardships and there's lots of tears and disappointments, but that God's going, he's gonna erase all of that in a moment mm. when we get to be in heaven with him.
0: I love that. Well, Jamie, anything else you want to say here on your first time on the CT Conversations podcast?
1: Well, it has been <laughs> so much fun. And I would say that I'm super excited about our series that's coming over yes. the next three weeks. We're going to be taking a short little break from our 40 series mm-hmm. to dive into family. And- um, this is a big one for me too. I, I, I'll tell you that my family of origin has got some dysfunction. We put mm. the fun in dysfunction. And so <laughs> oh I think for some people we hear the, we do, we hear that word family and mm-hmm. it actually makes us wanna run. And when, when people see the, the family graphic for this series, it might actually put some negative emotions in, mm. in their hearts and they may start to think, I don't know if I wanna go to that because of what they know family to be. Yeah. And I would say that's been my story. But what I'm excited about is for us to look at what family the intent of family actually is, what God created family to be and in what we might not be able to find in our in our families here on this that we were born into, but he wants to give us that through spiritual family. And so I'm excited to dive into that over the next few weeks and just take a look at what, what God really intended family to be.
0: Man, I can't wait for that. That's my story too. Yeah. I'm so pumped for that series. Yeah. It's going to be great. Awesome. Jimmy, thank you so much for coming on and uh, can't wait to have you back. Thank you. And that's it. I loved this conversation getting to learn from Peter, seeing how Jesus valued women and how the resurrection changes everything. Jamie and I were talking about this after the, after the recording. And one of my favorite things is when the Bible comes alive and becomes real and starts making sense in light of itself. And God starts changing our lives and categories and remaking us from the inside out. I love it. It, It's one of my favorite things in the whole world. As you heard Jamie say there at the end, next week we're taking a quick break from our 40 series and we're starting a short series called We Are Family. It's about our spiritual family and the family that God gives us that at times can be closer than blood. I'm so excited for this series and the conversations that we're going to have because this is something that hits really close to home for me and I bet it probably does for you too. I know you'll probably be soaking it in just as much as I will be. Also, we launched a brand new app this week and it's awesome. You can download it in the app store on whatever type of phone you use. And I love this app. If you are wanting to get more involved at Cross Timbers, this app is a great place to start. It's an easy way to find out how and where you can serve, what events we have going on, you can give. And yes, you can even listen to this podcast. Just search Cross Timbers Church in your app store and you can download it there. And hey... If you enjoyed this podcast, would you mind help spreading the word about it? Tell your friends and family, share it on social media, scream it out your window, honestly, whatever it takes. We want this podcast to be a great resource for the people of our church to grow in their faith as they follow Jesus and find freedom. So if you could help us get the word out, that would be amazing. I had such a great time talking with Jamie today, and I hope you enjoyed listening We're going to be back next week with our Denton campus pastor, Ross Slough, as we kick off our We Are Family series. Thanks for listening, and I will see you next week.